0: And uh, this particular message uh, I actually bring to you and I share with a very heavy uh, heart. And what I have to say I do not share with you lightly at all. Uh, Nor do I say this to give you the impression that I am somehow more righteous, holy uh, than anyone else just because I'm speaking to you what I'm about to share uh, I, I'm just as filthy and in need of Christ and his redeeming power in my life as anybody else uh, in in the world. Trust me when I say, uh, for all have fallen, uh, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not sometimes we come or we fell short, but we still come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, 23. And I'm right there in that same boat with Um, with the rest of everyone. And so, however, what I do have to say to you this morning, I really do believe truly needs to be said. And I will admit that I'm not the only one saying it. However, I will say that it's not the predominant message or the predominant theme that we are hearing right now or have been hearing uh, for the past uh, while. And um, so I've titled this message, the elephant in the room, and when I first started thinking on this particular topic, my mind was honestly in a different place. Uh, I was looking at the elephant in the room something from a different perspective than I am currently, right now. And um, I believe that God has called certain individuals as watchmen on the wall to see things that are happening in the world around us and to warn the people of God of what is to come. And you'll find that this particular position, this watchman type of position, is definitely not one to be desired. It may sound like a really cool uh, position and one to, to desire, but uh, it comes with its fair share of unpopular messages and themes. And uh, not to mention the fact that God uh, also takes this role very seriously, as we can see in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 6. That's an interesting um, chapter and verse there, 33, 6. But Ezekiel 33, 6 says, But if the watchmen see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Ezekiel 33, 6. And that's a very, um, that's a very scary passage of scripture because God has ordained people to be watchmen, to warn the people of God and to sound the alarm and to blow the trumpet. We talked about this several weeks ago. Uh, when I preached a message on um, the book of Joel. We went through the whole book of Joel uh, on Sunday morning several weeks ago, and that's what it was talking about, to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm, and to warn the people of God that there's some things that's coming on the horizon that are not going to be uh, so fun to endure, and it's time to wake up and, and honestly get our heads from up out of the sand and so like many of you, this whole worldwide shutdown that we're currently uh, enduring has really got me thinking a lot about life and what that life looks like in reference to biblical prophecy. And uh, some of the things that i thought about in reference to this COVID-19 situation is that COVID-19 is not the problem. Uh, economic uncertainty is not the problem. Fear is not the problem. Churches not being able to congregate in person right now is not the problem. Being able to go to Home Depot and Lowe's and to buy flowers and shovels to work in your yard and labeling that as some essential business during this time of crisis is not the problem. Now, I will say that this is hypocrisy at its finest. I will say that 100% certainty. Um, hypocrisy in the fact that hundreds of people can congregate together at Home Depot and Lowe's and Kroger and Publix, and tar- but churches are being targeted for meeting in their cars in the church parking lot. Past- pastors are... And members fined hundred dollars for sitting in their cars in their in the parking lot of their church while it's deemed safe and acceptable to stay hundreds of strangers at the grocery store in the hardware. That's hypocrisy at its finest. And honesty and, and honestly it's it's Chris it's lunacy, it's it's all of those things. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let me clarify some things uh, for you and in, in, in our midst this why Do you see this as hypocrisy? Church tar- tar- targeting? The unfair target? I don't consider this as church persecution. And regardless of whether not belief is or it is not wise for us to be holding services at, at the church in, in person. Is I agree, with or I don't. Agree, is actually irrelevant in the context of what I'm speaking. About, uh, right. It's definitely states unconstitutional because the first item on the list of the first amendment of our protected rights is the religious freedom that we that we have in this country to assemble ourselves together and and worship the lord freely without hindrance. that is that's before anything else in uh the the first amendment of the constitution of the united states so it's unconstitutional for us to not be allowed to go and do these things. It's unconstitutional and unfair targeting for us to be able to go to Home Depot and get flowers to plant, as if that's some type, and, and pine straw to put in our yard, as if that's more essential uh, than the uh, not forsaking the assembling of the saints of the church. But regardless of whether or not I believe that it's wise or unwise to actually assemble right now, whether it be at Home Depot or whether it be at at the church that's that's um it's irrelevant because that in in the context of what i'm speaking to you about right now i'm just talking about constitutional rights in this context and and i also believe this i believe that it's a very dangerous precedent uh, that we're allowing to be set as a result of this but please understand that church persecution is something totally different than what we're seeing right now in fact john chapter 20 verse 19 john 20:19 says this that the disciples had to meet secretly behind closed doors for fear of the jews after christ was crucified Why were were they meeting behind closed doors? Well, they just saw Jesus, who was the most powerful man they had ever met in their lives, in anyone's life ever to this point. Jesus, the most powerful man to ever walk the face of this earth. They saw him go through the most horrific thing they had ever seen, and this caused them to think they did that to him. Imagine what they could do to us. So out of fear, they had to meet behind closed doors for fear. The Jews, they were of what the Jews were going to do to them after what they had just saw and witnessed what they did to Jesus, the most powerful man ever lived. But then Jesus walks through the wall where they were meeting in secret. The door was locked, but Jesus walks right through the wall and he says to them, peace be unto you. The things did not go the way that you thought that they were going to go, even though I warned you that these things were going to happen over and over again. I told you that the Son of Man was going to be lifted up, but that wasn't going to be the end. So although things didn't go the way you thought they were going to go, these are the things that had to happen so that we could fulfill the next part of my plan. So catch this, peace be unto you. But now it's time to get to work. Quit wallowing in your fear and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost so you can go out and accomplish my will to the whole ends of all the earth. Because Jesus knows the end from the beginning Uh, Jesus knew good and well that persecution was still alive and well when he walked through those walls and told his disciples, peace be still, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, he knew that persecution was still on the horizon, but he sent them out anyway, not as the world sends them, not as, you know, religion sends them, but as my father sent me, so now I send you to go into all the ends of the earth preaching the gospel to every living creature uh, under uh, under the, all of the, uh, of the world. Knew even in the midst of this that great persecution was still on the horizon, and he wasn't talking about a $500 fine and a misdemeanor charge. Yes, that's unconstitutional, yes, that's total hypocrisy, yes, that is the unfair targeting of Christians, but it's not church persecution, and maybe I can say it's not church persecution yet. Because please understand, I'm not trying to explain to you that I agree with these uh, bully tactics from uh, this heathen institution that are making these uh, hypocritical demands, regardless of whether I believe we should or should not meet. Uh, and assemble ourselves together physically at the church. I'm not saying that I do. I'm not saying that I don't. That's irrelevant. What I'm talking about is the constitution of this United States. But it's not church persecution. See, just after Stephen was stoned to death, listen, I stoned to death. Why? For preaching the gospel and for serving in the capacity of, um, um, serving, you know, the, the, the families of the church who had needs that the apostles weren't able to meet because they were busy uh, submitting themselves to prayer and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and to preaching the Word of God. So they had to ordain, you know, we could call them deacons and, and you know, people to go out and actually uh, minister specifically to, and pastor specifically uh, the needs of uh, the people of the church and so Stephen was one of the most powerful uh, you know uh, ministers of the gospel and ministers of the needs of the people and and for doing this Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60 you know and and the few verses before that, And uh, we see that, that Stephen makes a statement that will echo for all of eternity in Acts 7.60 where he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. So here he was, he just got stoned and he's literally on the brink of death. And he says, lay not this sin to their charge, Lord. And then when he said this, he fell asleep. Now obviously the scripture is not saying that he got stoned and he goes and takes a leisurely nap. They took his life for the sake of preaching the gospel. Then in Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4, I want you to take note as to what the Bible says. Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. And Saul was consenting unto his death. They're talking about the death of Stephen. And we know Saul eventually became the apostle Paul. But at this time, Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, y'all catch this now. Look at the strong adjectives and description that you read here. Here verse here Acts chapter eight verse three as for Saul he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, so as in other words that therefore means as a result of this, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching. The word. Beloved, that is church persecution. Church persecution is when every one of Jesus' disciples, with the exception of uh, Judas Iscariot, either died for their faith or close to it. In fact, every one of them did die for their faith in Jesus Christ with a martyr's death. With the exception of the apostle John <clears throat> and uh, and obviously Judas Iscariot, which I just mentioned. But even John was excommunicated to Patmos by Nero and <clears throat> still under great persecution for his faith in Christ. But God protected him from a martyr's death because he had certain things that he needed John to accomplish uh, that he could not otherwise accomplish. So God protected him through that for his own purposes and for his own will. And of course we know that Judas Iscariot didn't die a martyr's death for his faith in Christ, but he did die a coward's death for his faith in greed. So let's not mistake what is happening right now in America for church persecution. I was talking to somebody just earlier Uh, in reference to this very thing, uh, because in America, we can easily mistake our sense of nationalism and our sense of American pride for religious duty. And there is some connection there, and I love this country. Please understand I do. I love America, but my love for America does not supersede my faith in Christ, nor does it... Uh, blind me to the fact that uh, nationalism is not uh, the same as religious uh, zeal and fervor because think about all of the uh, sold-out dedicated Christians in other countries in the world who are literally being beheaded right now present-day for their faith in Christ and that's the the only reason, think about all these 60-something different countries in the world now where it's illegal to possess a copy of the Word of God, the Holy Bible. It is actually illegal. And they're killing folks because of their faith. That's persecution. Not a $500 fine and a misdemeanor charge. However, let me reiterate some things. I totally agree that what is happening right now in this country is extremely dangerous to our specific way of life, this nationalistic American way of life. It's dangerous to this particular way that we worship freely in this country. But remember, there are believers in the body of Christ all over the world who don't have the same religious freedoms that we have and are being killed because of it because they refuse to bow down to the name of other gods and they're literally being killed because of it so these are the things that I think about in reference to what we're going through and this is regardless of what I believe about this virus so, because remember what I said just a few minutes ago. I believe this virus is nothing but a symptom of a much bigger problem. COVID-19 is nothing but a symptom of the problem. It's not the problem itself. I believe the civil and the economic unrest and insecurity that's happening here right now is nothing but a symptom of a much bigger bigger problem because understand the gospel has endured persecution since before the establishment of the gospel it's always been persecuted and I want you to catch hold of this right here and uh, understand something very uh, unique about the gospel all right the gospel grew and multiplied not in spite of persecution, not just because, you know, it was somehow able to endure and grow th- just, you know, in spite of or through persecution, but it the gospel grew and multiplied and continues to do so because of persecution. That's That's a strong concept here, and I'll show you what I mean by that right here. <clears throat> In uh, verse 3 of Acts chapter 8, verse 3. As Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I want you to think about this for a second. God used persecution to scatter the believers all over the world. Saul's going in, hauling men and women out of their house. He said he went to every house, hauling men and women out of their homes and putting them up in prison. And so God used this level of extreme persecution this isn't this and this is also going hand in hand with the other uh, extremely uh, powerful religious you know um, gospel preachers like Stephen who weren't just going to prison they were being killed for their faith James was another one. the brother of John was cut up with the sword by Herod and his men and so people are literally getting killed for this but he but so in the midst of this people scattered all over the world uh, to escape this persecution. Now, I'm sure they would have been content staying in Jerusalem because this uh, this um, persecution originated in Jerusalem because this is where the Holy Spirit came upon them. You know, they got fired up. The church was being born right there in Jerusalem, and they would have been content reveling uh, in the fact that they know Christ as king, they know the gospel, they've heard the gospel, they've received it, they probably would have loved in their flesh to just stay there being comfortable and uh, hanging out in Jerusalem. But the gospel had to extend beyond the confines of Jerusalem. So God used persecution to, to force them to scatter abroad and therefore because of persecution, not in spite of, the gospel began to grow and to multiply. And think about it in this context. Was this country, this nation that we call the United States of America, not born to one degree or another because of religious persecution as well? Was the Protestant Reformation not one of the major catalysts that caused the early settlers to leave Europe and to move here in the first place? Of course, there are other reasons that went along with this, uh, you know, this mass migration, and also uh, the cause of the Protestant Reformation. And I'm, I'm actually putting together a teaching on the Protestant Reformation now uh, for a Wednesday night Bible study. But it's going to take some serious uh, there's a lot of study that's going to, that's going to be involved in this thing, so I'm not definitely not ready to drop it yet. And we're going through the life of Jesus on Wednesday nights right now. But the Protestant Reformation was and and religious persecution being forced to worship the way that was totally unbiblical, was one of the catalysts that caused us to flee from Europe and the other surrounding continents and and nations on that part of the world and come here to begin with. You know, the Roman Catholics were killing folks left and right, not just common people, but people in their own religious ranks who dared to speak biblical truth and shed light upon the iniquities of their so-called church look it up it's all over the church history the early church history these people literally being killed for speaking biblical truth to shed light on the iniquities of a corrupt religious institution which call which was one of the major catalysts for uh, the Protestant Reformation. And, and then one of the major catalysts for us mo- leaving there and coming here in the first place. See, the true church has always grown and multiplied because of persecution and adversity, not in spite of it. And over and over again, you hear Peter and Paul and all these other apostles and teachers and disciples and, and uh you know men of the gospel preaching about and teaching the believers to embrace persecution all of the letters in the in the new testament scriptures maybe with the exception of one talks about false teachers and false doctrines and and persecution and all these you know things that are going to come against the body of christ And oftentimes they say, uh, be glad that you have the opportunity to partake of the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. Count yourself blessed to even be a part of the body of Christ. So I say this to say, be warned and be weary of falling into the trap of nationalism over the gospel of Jesus Christ and embracing the fellowship of his suffering. Do I believe we should protect our rights here as a nation? Yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. But not over the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not confuse nationalism with religious uh, duty and zeal and fervor. Because the gospel has always been persecuted and it's the least persecuted in the world here in the United States but I'm not saying it's not coming there may come a time where we have to stand up and band together and rise up against a tyrannical government that's why we have the Constitution and maybe that time is somewhat soon and maybe even now But please understand and do not confuse a $500 fine with persecution for your faith in Christ. See, we've grown almost blind to this fact and to this idea in this country because we've never truly experienced true persecution because of our faith in Christ this country however let me say this this is where this message turns to the not so popular and and i've probably already offended some folks and i'll probably offend folks even more with what i'm about to say this country is a far cry from what it once was <clears throat> This is one of the elephants in the room, but it's not, not the end in the room that out that it was, which we'll talk about in a minute. But let's be honest with ourselves, please. Let's not sugarcoat. <clears throat> this country is a far cry from what it once was, spiritually, morally, politically and whatever other ly word that you can think of to go along with these things this country is a far cry from what it once was our politicians are corrupt and crooked as ever and it's even more well known now than it ever has been because there are there is so much information available exposing the corruption in our politicians and in our government, it's no secret. Somebody go and look up uh, this new documentary that just dropped out of shadows on YouTube, and I think they may have a website out of shadows. There may be some choice words in there scattered throughout. It's not a 100% faith-based uh, documentary, but there is some faith dropped in there. But it is an expose on the corruption that's been going on, and how the entertainment industry is a great tool for the enemy, Lucifer, Satan. His dis- God has disciples. He raises up and builds disciples, trains them with the word to preach the gospel. Satan has disciples too. And he raises them up through this selfish, um, self ideology. Christ said, not my will, but thy will be done. Satan says, you don't have to bow down and worship me and commit sacrifices unto me. All you have to do is say, you know, forget God's will. Do what I will. My will. And Satan uses entertainment. Night, good Lord, help us. He uses entertainment and builds disciples within that industry in order to People on the path of destruction, and half the time, they don't even know it. These people are in the church as well. You know, our politicians, crooked and corrupt, the same-sex marriage agenda is being promoted as if it's the greatest civil rights uh, revolution that the world has ever seen. It's not a revolution of civil rights in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But this agenda is being forced down our throats and everybody's throats in the, and the end. Everybody's point of view and perspective is accepted and you know, to be tolerated for the Christian perspective. That's no secret. We've already known this for a long time. We've had 80 million or so, give or take, probably give, probably much more than this legal abortions 80 million legal abortions that have been reported to the cdc in the united states since roe versus wade back in the 70s we know these things our governors you know who i'm talking about most of you if you keep up with anything current in events we have governors Not all of them. There's been some that have been very constitutional about these things. But we have governors getting on live TV saying things like God is not the reason why we're seeing uh, the positive decline COVID-19 cases and why we didn't see the spike become uh, nearly as bad as we thought it was going to get governors are saying literally out of their mouths on public tv it's not because of god and our religion and our faith and our prayers it's because of what we're doing that we're seeing the steady decline and despite never reaching what it what we thought that it was originally going to reach it has nothing to do with god so we got to keep doing what we're doing because what we are doing is working. Does that sound anything like I preached last week, Resurrection Sunday morning, where I talked about his quest uh, to become like God? And if you'll remember, Lucifer, O oh, son of the morning, how art thou fallen from heaven? Saying things like, I will ascend uh, above the stars of God, I will make my throne above the throne of God, I will be like the most high. I, I, I. Elevating ourselves. To a place of Godhood and above and now our governors are getting on live television elevating themselves over the throne of God stealing his glory and regardless of believe what he said is true is still irrelevant because why did this man feel the necessity to say such a thing, he obviously thought a lot about what he said before he said it on live TV. That's how it works most of the time to avoid their foot in their mouths. So this is something that he thought hard about before he said it. And he knows there's American people all over the country who believe God is the reason that things are not as bad as they could have been. And even in the face of that, he spits in their face and says, man, forget that. And God, it's us. So keep doing what we're doing. And honestly, I'm sure that's the PG version compared to the, you know, compared to what he says in private. Who knows what he says in private? If he's that brave and brazen uh, to say that in public, somebody should go back and read because I'm sure he hasn't read Acts chapter 12, where Herod gave God not the glory. And look over and read in Acts chapter 12 and see what happened to Herod when he gave God not the glory. Somebody needs to read that to this governor. And I will say this, it's definitely a PG version uh, compared to the filth that we watch on television as entertainment. We don't have enough time in the world right now to go down that rabbit hole. And there's really no need to it because we know when we watch it that we're watching a bunch of blasphemous trash and yet we watch it anyway. I'm guilty. You're probably guilty. Most of us are We don't have time to go down that, but you are in about. See, our government has labeled the church as non-essential during this pandemic while grocery stores, uh computer storm improvement stores restaurants and all these other things are labeled as essential and we're so quick to demand justice in the midst of a crisis when all but when all is well we could almost care less when all is going well we can almost care less and i'm not saying this is totally across the board but for the most parts we are so preoccupied with self that when, when everything is great right and going fine, that we are almost apathetic to these very same issues until they directly affect us. Think about that. See, the truth of the matter is this. Our country has dirty hands and has sinned greatly against a holy God. We may live in what we like to call the greatest nation on the earth, and I do not disagree. But other nations are not our standard by which we go by. Somebody say amen. Christ is our standard, and we have failed Christ's standard miserably as a nation, and not just our politicians. Remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.17. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? You see, the real reason why the church is not being viewed as an essential operation is not because of persecution, some great level of persecution like we saw in Acts chapter 8, but because the church has lost sight of what it means to be essential in the first place. Somebody say amen. We would rather scroll through Facebook and Netflix even while we... We have an opportunity right now like we've never had before in times past all of our lives to humble ourselves and to cry out to God in prayer and all these, you know, seeking Him. We have more time now than ever, most of us. But we'd rather scroll through Facebook and Netflix even now. I wonder how many Christians have truly utilized this time in lockdown really fall on their face in humility and in prayer and in repentance and fasting and reading the Word of God. I wonder how many Christians have really utilized this time for those things. They're quick to quote 2nd Chronicles 7:14, saying, If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and from their wicked ways, then I will hear from them and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We're quick to quote that. <clears throat> but body believers, brethren, sisters, of it. This scripture is not talking about Trump and Pelosi and fill-in-the-blank politician. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. See, we love to pray for the humility of others and the sin of others, but where is our humility? We may be crying out in prayer here and there but how much are we really how much are we really turning from our own wicked ways you see at first I thought the elephant in the room was the wicked in the political realm of this nation but politics have been wicked since the beginning of the establishment of government read the Old Testament it's in this way but that's not elephant in the room we're oblivious to this fact there is an elephant in the room that people nearly always talk about and we consider this some great holy nation but we've discussed earlier some things that you know the blood of the innocent cries out to the lord god almighty and how many innocent children have lost their lives due to uh, moral what we have deemed to be moral practices You know, in this nation, 80 million or so children in the United States since the 70s. We know these things. That's not really the elephant in the room. See, the more I begin to think about this, the more I begin to see things a little differently, respect, and what I begin to think on is that the real elephant in the room is the lukewarm in the homes and in the churches all across this nation. Consider the video that we watched before our priestess message, the satirical video that we played for you, showing an almost dead-on mindset of the body of Christ right now. I'm telling you, it's scary. See, it's no secret that government is corrupt and wicked. That's what governments do, and honestly, we shouldn't be surprised at anything less. We should be surprised when they do the right thing. That would be the abnorm. See, that's why the Founding Fathers wrote the Constitution the way they did. was because they knew that the freedom that they worked so hard for and to attain had to be protected from enemies both foreign and even more so domestic. Go and read some of the founding quotes of the uh, the, the quotes of the founding fathers in reference to uh, the the amendment to of, of the right to bear arms. See why they wrote that. It wasn't really mostly for protection against uh, foreign enemies. Mostly, it was domestic. See, church. What's even more important than this, though, is this is the same reason that God gave us the Bible. Because the freedom that he worked so hard to attain, you and I, with his death, burial, and resurrection from the cross, it also has to be protected from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Somebody say amen. And And one of our greatest enemies is not on foreign soil, but right here in our own homes and in our own church organizations. We get so fired up about nationalism and civic duty. But where is that same zeal for prayer, fasting, and repentance? We read Facebook posts after Facebook post, watch Netflix movie and show after show. We binge watch these shows, watching a whole 15 episode season in two days. But where is this same zeal for the Word of God? If we had that kind of zeal then the thing that we would be most worried about confronting is the fact that we have family and friends going straight to hell all the while thinking they are right in the eyes of God. When was the last time you shared the gospel, the true gospel, with somebody that you know and you love or somebody that you don't know? And I'm not talking about the God loves you and He has a plan for you, repeat after me kind of gospel. That can be inclusion of the gospel because God does love us and He does have a plan for our lives. But the gospel is not just that. The gospel is I have sinned a holy God and because of this sin, I deserve death and hell. But I don't want to go that route and I don't have to go that route because a man Named Jesus became sin who knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in. Him. So confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and died on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day, thou shalt be saved. Kind of gospel. So church, brothers, sisters, who's watching, whoever's listening. Very seldom has government steal the rights from the people of this country. We have always given them away. And in the same way, the church has been labeled as non-essential because it has lost sight of what it means to be essential. Not because of daring to force our rights away, we've almost given them up because we've lost sight of what it means to be essential. And being a follower of Christ is not just some superstitious way of explaining the deep mysteries of this life. It is life itself. It is the essence of true life because the one that we follow Jesus Christ is the life giver. So if I were to leave us here this morning with three things to take away from this message, it would be this. And I'm going to tell you in a problem versus solution kind of breakdown and format. Number one, the first problem that I want to give to you is that as a community, we have elevated the words of men over the Word of God. As a community, we have elevated the words of men over the word of God. This includes the community that we physically live in, as well as the community of true believers or the church. Some of you might be saying, "You're a crazy, preacher! I would never elevate the words of men. I mean, the, yeah, the words of men over the word of God. I would never do that, and I've never done that." Well, my challenge to you is this. Think about, examine your own life and be honest about where you spend most of your time. Especially your free time away from the responsibilities necessary for basic survival. Food, work, chores, bills, kids, etc. Examine yourself and see where you spend that time away from those basic survival needs. What is the ratio between time spent with God versus time spent on entertainment? And not not pure entertainment. God wants us to enjoy this world that He's created. I believe that wholeheartedly. He wouldn't have given us all this amazing you know, things in this world not to enjoy it. He tells us in the Psalms over and over again to enjoy this creation. So why giving it to us? What is the ratio between time spent with God versus time spent on blasphemous entertainment? Think about it. Examine this in your own life. Your social media, Netflix, cable, YouTube, sports, it's but the solution, that's the problem. We've elevated the words over the Word of God. The solution is this. Develop a solid daily devotional life in prayer, fasting, and the Word of God. John 15, 1-5 says this. I am the true vine. John 15, 1-5. And my father is the husbandman. Me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Number two, as a nation, we have elevated our own desires above the desires of God. Just as there have been those who have determined a baby's right to life is a matter of personal choice rather than God's purpose and will, so is the in terms of seeking and saving the lost. Personal preference and personal choice overrides the desire to minister to anyone other than myself. We come to the church and, you know, we are just so bent on. What can I get from this? Y'all minister to me, me, me. And in fact, uh, if the church doesn't play the music that I, like, the way that I like, or he doesn't leave me in a place feeling good about myself when the message is over, or I don't like the way this church building looks, then we have a problem. And believe me when I say that this is not a judgment-sided issue and generation and age group in the church and oftentimes obliterates what God desires to do in our midst. All because we want to elevate our desires of what ministry is supposed to look like to us over everything else. What's the solution? Well, develop a kingdom mindset. Always thinking of the great commandments and the great commission. Develop a kingdom mindset, always thinking of the great commandments and the mission. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's developing a kingdom mindset on the great commandment. Here's the great commission. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says this, And he said unto them, Go ye and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth in his back shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be saved. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shake up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Church, develop a kingdom mindset thinking uh, in terms of the great commandments and the great commission. This is not a self-serving God. Not my will, but your will be done. Lord, help me to get outside of myself and look beyond uh, the um professional abilities to play songs the way that I want them. preacher to expound on Scripture the way that I feel like he should be able to, to expound on them at this time. We're in his ministry. See, our nation is the of God first and as Americans second. We're passing through this land. And the third problem I want to leave you with in solution, I want to leave you here this one. Number three, as a world, we have conformed to its ways rather than God's ways. One of this, one of the evidence of that is the filth that we put into our, into our spirits on a daily basis. Versus the purity gospel of Christ and his word and prayer and fellowship with him. I can almost guarantee even a crisis where we have all the time in the world to see his face and to humble ourselves, to turn from our wicked ways. I would almost guarantee the vast majority of Christians in the church have not utilized an advantage of this time. And as a world, we have conformed to its ways, the world's ways, rather than God's way. And again, I'm not saying this is all across the board. There are a ton of sold out to the gospel, Christian folks out there. But we've got to be honest and and take a hard, long look, elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, even though it's sitting down at the table with us, even... Now, so I'm talking about, hey, can you pass the chicken in sauce? If there's been sitting down at the top and in the hot sauce, and ain't nobody talking about it, but the more we see, uh, the, but the more the more we see the church implementing worldly tactics to attract members and grow their attendance. I just watched it between some of the world's most famous pastors today. It's like an eight-hour-long debate that I watched between some of the biggest names in Christianity right now. And one of them was so proud that their worship band opened their Easter service a few years ago with the ACDC song Highway to Hell. Their band played Highway L by ACDC as a means of communicating the gospel in the church. And then he bragged even further that next Easter, they were already planning on uh, playing Van Halen's song, Running with the Devil, and opening up their Easter service, Running with the Devil, by Van Halen. And he truly thought this was the greatest thing his church had ever done. My philosophy on this has always been rather simple. The more we try and use all worldly tactics to attract members and non believers into the church, the more crazy and worldly we have to continue to be and increase in more and more the next time. And if we rely on these things to pull people in, then we will have to rely on these things and even more to keep them in. The gospel is sufficient. My great, says the Lord, is sufficient unto thee. The gospel is unto them that do not believe, but it's the power of God the salvation for those who believe and accept We've forgotten how to be in the world but not of the world. And I'm getting ready to close. See, part of the problem is that we are in our own little world. And the gospel is barely an afterthought. See, we want world peace. But it's all about the gospel of peace. We will never have peace in the physical. The Bible tells us that. And in fact, great Tribulation and great unrest and chaos is coming. Believe me, there's no world peace. Not until everything is said and done after the Battle of Armageddon and Christ the complete separation of the sheep and the goats. Solution. Solution. Lord to help you to develop a hunger to be formed day by day by the power of the gospel. I need the life-transforming power of God and His gospel in my life today than I did yesterday. More than I did when I was strung out on dope, tools in my arms, seven felony drug charges, standing in front of its Uh, You do know, Mr. Western, you're facing 65 years in prison and hundreds of thousands of dollars to fines do you not yes yes sir i do yes ma'am i'm gonna give you a chance but i don't ever want to see you back in front of me again i'm gonna allow you to go to this program and help you get your life together and i hope you do but don't let me catch you back in front of my courtroom again and y'all i needed more today than i needed him in that moment I need the transforming power of the gospel in my life right now, Lord. Help me to not stay lukewarm from Christian that I have a tendency of being. Romans verse 2, and I'm closing with this. Romans 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Will of God, Church. Less surprised if and when we face persecution. The true gospel can handle persecution. Let me assure you. Promises that it's going to happen, and we couldn't change this fact if every one of us got together in one accord and prayed our very best to avoid it. It's coming, in country. And it all, in other countries, and it's coming even more than it is now or ever has been. We can't change it. So rather than expending all of our energy trying to stop the inevitable, let's do some Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. First, there is some beautiful things that's happening right now. Like I said, this isn't all across the board. There's a lot of people out there getting saved right now. Coming gospel, there's a lot of uh, Christians out there who are finding revival in their heart, in their soul, in their spirit, in their minds, being renewed by the power of the gospel from a lukewarm state, a state. There's a lot of that going on right now. And I believe there's a lot more to come and I praise God for it. But let's not make this so general all the time. Paul said, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. But quit at the faults and the flaws of everybody else and pray for the humility and the backslid nature of everybody else. They they need to turn from their wicked ways. Our government needs to turn from their wicked ways. I don't know if government will ever turn from their wicked ways, y'all. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's seek for ours the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and humble ourselves and see what the Lord will do. Let's praise God together for a hard, convicting word. Remember the watchman on the wall. The blood of those who fall by the sword that he didn't warn because he was too afraid to warn them, their blood will he require on his hand. So I know it's not a popular message that I've preached this morning, but it's a necessary. one, And this ain't all, all across the board, but even Daniel, Ezekiel, even Jeremiah and Isaiah, all the prophets, seemingly respectable men of God going after the will of God full force. Even they got on their face, praying and fasting. Lord, forgive us for the sins that we've committed against you, our holy God. Even those men humbled themselves and prayed for forgiveness and iniquities of the people in general. So again, I know this is a harsh message But I pray the Lord opens your heart and softens your heart to be able to receive it. I ask that you would share this word with with the people that you know on your social media. Get it out there and I challenge you again to these principles into your daily life. That kingdom mindset of the great command, the great commandments and the great commission rather than yourself seeking for being ministered to. Even I, the Son of Man, came not to be ministered to, but to minister. So let this mind be in you, which was also in us Develop that personal daily devotional life, giving prayer and seeking the face of God and fasting in the Word of God. And develop a desire within yourself Just quit seeking after the trash and the filth in this world. By Lord, these things are passing away, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. So I challenge you in these areas. Feel free to reach out to me. Send me a message. Give me a call. Send me an email. Whatever. Let's hash these things out. If you agree with it, great. Praise God. Share it. If you don't agree with it, let's talk. Let's hash this thing out. And let's come together common purpose furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father I thank you for this day and I praise you for this time that we've had to come together. I pray that you would help us Lord that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit. Give us strength for the times that lay ahead. Father let us seek your nation first. The kingdom of God is our nation before America and any other place. Father it's you and your kingdom first. So Father, I praise you and I thank you. I ask you to help us seek first the kingdom of God and justice. Lord, we bring areas of our life where we're falling short, and help us overcome. The Father of our testimony, I love you, Lord, and I thank you for not desiring that we be left in our fallen state, but you desire to use us more and more, develop us more in the image of your Son Jesus Christ. Where none of us are perfect. And none of us need condemnation for these areas in our lives where we're falling short. Just revelation, not condemnation. Conviction. Stay down in our in and wonder why things aren't changing in the world and in our lives around us. Father, I love you. I thank you and I praise you. I ask all this to be done in your name, your son's name, Jesus Amen. Be blessed.